Hello and welcome to Should I Stay or Should I Go? The podcast providing you with expert career insight and advice from senior people in the fields of insurance and risk management to help you make the right career decisions. Hosted by founder and managing partner of Key Strategies LLC, Mike Tenenbaum. Featuring interviews with those at the top of their game, each podcast explores topical issues, coupled with specialist guidance on making your next move in the corporate risk management, insurance brokerage, and the insurance carrier sectors. A seasoned recruiter, Mike Tenenbaum has over 30 years of experience in sourcing top insurance and risk management talent for world-class Fortune 500 companies throughout the US. This experience makes your host the perfect person to kickstart the conversations that will give you the wisdom you need to decide. Should I stay or should I go? I am joined this afternoon by Steve Pottle, who is Director of Risk Management Services at Thompson Rivers University. And Steve is also Vice Chair of the RIMS Canada Council. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Great to have you, Steve. And I've been looking forward to having you on the show because you and I met maybe a couple of years ago um, when we were working on the RIMS CRMP, did we not? We did. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a yes. busy time, but it was a fun time. Yes, it was a busy time. It's, it was very impressive to see what goes on there. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. I uh, just wanted to kind of go through your background a little bit, as I like to do on these shows. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you got into risk management. Sounds good. Yes. Yeah, so when I try to explain how uh, I got from my uh, my first career to risk management, people kind of give me this little quizzical look. But so I actually started, I have a degree in communications uh, and then went into radio. So I was a, uh, I was a radio producer for the largest AM radio station in Toronto, where I was, that's my home. And uh, I worked there for about nine years and had a great time, worked on, a, on the morning show of uh, a station called CFRB. Uh, News Talk 1010 now, I believe it's what it's called, and had a great time. Met some very uh, interesting people from Gordon Lightfoot to the then Prime Minister Brian Mulroney. So we're talking late 80s, early 90s. And so had a wonderful time. Um, but at some point, I was wondering if in my late 20s, getting up at four o'clock in the morning every day was uh, a good lifestyle choice. And so I uh, Decided to take a risk, if you will, and went into a a corporate communications firm for about a year and enjoyed that very much. But then I transitioned out of that and was still not necessarily finding my niche as to where I wanted to go. And I could have gone back into radio, but I thought, well, you've taken that risk to sort of try something new. And then an opportunity arose at York University, which is uh, also in Toronto to assist in their Y2K work and not having a background in IT, but having a broad background from my time at corporate communications in um, project management and I guess my communication skills. Uh, I joined uh, York University as a Y2K support person and we were giving our board of governors uh, quarterly updates on our Y2K compliance. And at the end of the Y2K, when everyone woke up on uh, January 1st, and we saw that uh, planes were still in the air and people could take money out of their uh, ATMs. 
the project was ramped down, but the Board of Governors was asking, um, we're getting a lot of information about risk management and uh, just curious if there is actually a risk management department at York University, which there wasn't. And I guess I was happy to be at the right place at the right time. And my then boss sort of approached me and said, uh, are you interested in, in working for us as an insurance and risk analyst? And insurance was not something I was really super keen on getting involved in, only because um, I have a brother-in-law who was a property adjuster. And I just saw some of the work that he did. And it's like insurance sounds pretty boring. But my then boss said, no, 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 I want you to sort of focus on, we buy insurance and we take care of that, but uh, I want you to sort of look at the risks of the university and start um, putting together a program. So again, right place at the right time, the department was formed, uh, it was myself and my boss at the time, and uh, we took the best practices from some of the risk management departments at other Canadian universities, which there weren't that many at the time in the early 2000s. And certainly when you look at some of the uh, work done in some of the U.S. schools, we took some of the best of, of all of that and created our own insurance and risk management department at uh, York University. And over time, I was able to actually become the manager and then the director of that department. And so I was at York University for about 20 years all in and had a great time. And I felt that I was contributing to the advancement of the mandate of York University and great support. But I was mostly focused on insurance and sort of dealing with the risk management from a sort of traditional insurance based uh, um, aspect. And so one day I was uh, approached by the vice president here at Thompson Rivers University if I was interested in maybe trying something different. And that was uh, intriguing in two aspects. One aspect being that our daughter was just starting her undergraduate degree at Thompson Rivers University and was also on their varsity volleyball team and still is. And so that was kind of neat of the idea of, of moving to being closer to her and working at a university which is much smaller. I mean, York University is the third largest in Canada with about 65,000 students. And at TRU, as we call Thompson Rivers University, it's much smaller, it's about 20,000. And so there was an opportunity for a bit of a lifestyle change because I certainly, living in a big city, you've got a long commute sometimes to work, and I certainly did. And so I could go to a smaller community a little bit more of a lifestyle change, but I think what would treat me about moving to TRU was the fact that I would get the full gamut, if you will, of uh, all the risk management disciplines and working with that. So that includes right now I have responsibility for enterprise risk management, the insurance program, health and safety, security, emergency management. And so all of that reports up into me, and then I report right into the vice president of administration here at TRU. So at the time, you know, I thought it was it was time for a change, and everything just kind of fell into place very much like I guess it did back in my early days at York. And I've been here now just a little over two and a half years and uh, have enjoyed it immensely. That's great. That's great. That's quite a story, I have to say. Um, you are the only former radio personality that I know of who's now in corporate risk management. So that's quite a distinction. Yeah. And I, I did an article, uh, an interview with 
Canadian underwriter, which is an industry magazine up here in Canada. And the writer coined the term the risk jockey, which I quite oh. – so I, I, I enjoy that. It gives me a big smile. But yes, I would say I am probably the only person you know who's gone from radio to risk management. Yes, yes. So uh, I wonder, though, how that experience has helped you become a better risk manager or maybe a better communicator and if you're able to tie in some of the skills you've developed from those early days. Oh, absolutely. I think my professional background in communications and in radio has helped me immensely, especially in my early days at York University. When when you form a new department, a lot of people sort of question what it is that you're going to be doing. Are you going to be in our way? Are you going to support us? Um, where do you fit into the overall sort of mechanics of the operation? And so, and I think early, even earlier than the risk management, when I was just starting uh, working on the Y2K at York University, there was a lot of need to explain the rationale as to why the work needs to be done. And so what I have found over time is that um, being able to sort of listen and but also explain sort of my perspective as to why certain risks need to be managed or how can I help you, I think has sort of landed me in a, in a good spot where over time people see me as more of a trusted advisor than somebody they have to go to because of compliance or just, uh, you know, an insurance document. And so what I find is that my communications background has, has served me well in that I can sort of spend my time listening to people, providing them with guidance and direction, but trying my best to tailor to their needs. Because I find in universities, it's a very unique environment as opposed to, let's say, a um, private manufacturer, that sort of thing, private company, where you have faculty, you have staff, and you have students, and they all have very unique perspectives on, on their activities and how they want to see their operations manage. And so you've got students who want to do weird and wacky things, and they will either go over you or they'll go around you or they'll simply ignore you. Faculty will certainly challenge you on every aspect of why you need to be involved in their activities. And administration, the same thing. And so over time, what I've tried to do is I say, folks, I'm not here to stop you from doing your work. Sometimes I may have to say no, but I'm trying to make it work safely and give you guys actually the benefit of my, of my experience when you want to put together a new initiative. And I think universities are a very unique environment in that unlike a lot of organizations, universities by their very nature embrace risk. That's what a university is for. It's for the pursuit of knowledge. It's for the pursuit of, of research. And so in many aspects, universities want to accept risk. They want to bear risk. And so it's actually a, a great place to manage uh, risk because it's the very nature of our organization. Um, students try push the boundaries. Faculty and researchers, you know, in their pursuits of knowledge, want to expand on risk and take risk and are happy to take on risk. And so if you're seen as sort of a barrier to that overall pursuit of risk, then it's going to be a very challenging place to work. And so granted, it's been the only sort of environment that I've been in in terms of risk management, but I have found that it is probably one of the most fun places to work in terms of risk management. You know, it's interesting. I've not really thought about a university setting as a place that embraces risk. 
So that's interesting to me. And I wonder, does that make it, would you say, easier, if you will, to develop an enterprise risk management strategy? And uh, is there receptivity generally, would you say, at the senior level, um, whether it's uh, professors or department chairs or administrators? I think it's it can be both sides. Uh, it can be a challenge, but it can also be an opportunity. And what I have tried to do since I've taken on the enterprise risk role here at TRU is sort of take what has been given, you know, they put together a very structured enterprise risk management program through, you know, ISO mechanisms and ISO guidance. But what I found was that it wasn't advancing. It was more defensive. So it wasn't advancing the the mission of the university. And so I've kind of spun it on its head and said, okay, yes, there's going to be risks and downside risks. And that is really up to the management to to deal with. But from an upside risks, and that's where I kind of like to get the senior administrators into a room and have conversations and sometimes board members and sometimes um, people from outside of the university. Where do we want to go? What is stopping us from getting there? And so that seems to resonate at this university in terms of, okay, well, that's that's a different way of, of thinking about enterprise risk management. And so I've been very fortunate in that, again, working at a smaller institution where it can be a little bit more nimble in terms of advancing, let's say, an enterprise risk management strategy, as opposed to a large institution that has a large history of of doing things very slowly. And I think every university moves very cautiously in terms of things when it comes to policy or, or, or new initiatives. But at the same time, if, you know, funding presents itself, you're spinning on a dime and saying, yep, let's go this way. Oh, okay. All right. And so you use the same discipline. So it's a bit of a balance, but I find that at this particular university, enterprise risk management is certainly an embraced concept. And I think they're actually looking to move it to sort of the strategic risk management level. And I think that's, to me, key. And I mean, I can do the compliance and I can work really well with our audit department in terms of making sure that there's certain checks and balances and risk mitigation strategies for the downside operational risks that we all have. I mean, I think of a university and think of labs. We want to make sure health and safety is certainly key and we're banishing that. And obviously, from a financial perspective, we have to manage the financials and, and that sort of thing. But when you start to say, you know what, if this is one of our key strategies, let's say advancing, adding a, an engineering faculty to the university, if that was something that we so chose, how do we make that happen? And, and what are the steps that we need to do? And, and those are when I get to have those fun conversations with people. And, and I'm not there to answer and, and provide those answers. That's what the, you know senior management and our board is for. But it's very, it's very cool to sort of be in the room when they're having those discussions. So the room where it happens, they say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yes. When Hamilton first came out, I used that line in one of my presentations and it hadn't made its way across the country yet. So I think I was in Chicago at the time. They didn't know what I was talking about. So I got a bunch of blank stares. (laughs) Happy to say uh, for my sake, as well as Hamilton's sake, that uh, the show is pretty well known now. Exactly. You know, what I was also thinking about was when you talk about, you know, the range of your responsibilities, you know, ERM, insurance risk, disaster preparedness, business continuity, and uh, everything else you mentioned, you must have to collaborate quite a bit internally because you can't possibly be handling all those areas 
single-handedly. No, and I have a great team. It's a small team, but I have been very fortunate to uh, have had some staff that were already here prior to my arrival, and I could see where their strengths were, and so I've really focused their their efforts on their key areas of strength. And so I now have a dedicated person for security and emergency management, and that individual just That's what she loves to do, and she embraces that. And I've also got a dedicated health and safety team who really are uh, top-notch, and I've uh, I've added some resources to help me support the Enterprise Risk Management Program. But I would say that it's still a pretty small department, but we get the work done. And then you overlay, of course, what we're all going through right now with COVID-19. It puts a little bit of stress on, on everyone. But what I have found is that if you sort of manage up your people, give them the resources and the tools that they need, but also at the same time empower them to say, hey, what is it that, you know, you got to come back to me if you're, if, if you're struggling or you don't feel that you've got the right direction or support, let me know and I will work with you to get you what you need. But it's a shared responsibility. So I have a great team and I'm teaching them as best as I can to sort of say, it's also up to yourselves as professionals to manage yourself up if you don't have the right resources or you feel that you know we're not getting a, the right access to people or to or, or to whatever uh, let me know and I will do my best to sort of get you that and uh, again working in a smaller university where I have access to sort of the senior administrators I can I can be a little bit more um, nimble and get what they need there are lots of moving parts and but that was kind of what I wanted I wanted to be able to sort of embrace the whole sort of buffet of risks, if you will, uh-huh. uh, and be able to sort of support that as opposed to sort of being funneled into just insurance. Yeah. So the way you describe it, you sound a little bit like a player coach. You know, you're you're in the game, you're you're doing your part, but you're also you know mentoring and and really coaching and supporting the team that you have. I do try. I think I, I always try to be better at that because it's easy for you to just say, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And that, you know, I know that's happened to me where I've come back to my boss and said, listen, struggling, you know what, never mind. I'll just take care of that. And sometimes you're like, oh, geez, well, I don't mind helping and, and I'd like to learn. But if you want to, if you rather just sort of say, I'll take it and, and deal with it. It can be, um, I've been on both sides of that. And so what I've tried to do is I'll try to stop myself and say, you know what, what are you struggling with and how can I help? And because they want to also expand their professional horizons, they want to advance their own careers. And so when you kind of put up the hand and say, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. You're actually almost literally saying, you know what? Maybe this isn't right for you to do. I'll take care of it. And then it can be a little meh. So I do try to sort of coach them, but I also find that it's important that I get coached as well. So if I'm sort of slipping and people say, listen, I'm not sure we're going the right direction on this, or I need you to really focus your attention on this, then you got to look at that as an opportunity to grow as an individual and as a professional. So I always struggle when people say, oh, you're the expert in risk management, or you're the expert in insurance, you're the expert in that. And it's like, "Mm, no, because I'm always wanting to learn more. I want to always be sort of of advancing 
forward. When you start to call yourself the expert, to me, it's like, okay, you've learned everything there is to know. You've done everything there is to do. It's time for you to pass the baton. But um, I guess in my case, I'm not there yet. And I hope that that my team aren't there yet, that they uh, don't consider themselves experts because you're always wanting to evolve. You always want to learn and you always want to know what, you know, how you can make yourself better. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective. And, you know, um, uh, a lot of people, you know, walk around sometimes feeling like they are the experts and they do they do really have um, all the knowledge that it takes to be, you know, successful in their roles and to maybe in the role that they're in, to a certain extent, they are in that situation. Uh, and maybe that's a sign that they need to move to the next situation. Because I think when people stop learning and growing and thinking more creatively, then, you know, they become a little complacent. And, you know, the world around you is not a complacent world, especially not these days. And I think complacency is is probably the kiss of death to your career. If you let yourself just sit back and say, okay, I've done a lot and I'm good and call it a day as far as that's concerned. So it's good to hear that even someone at your level is still thinking like there are still things to learn and that you yourself could use some coaching now and then. That's a great perspective. So, you know, um, one thing I I also wanted to cover was, you know, you were with York for, you said, 20 years. Most people these days are not staying with their, their companies for that long a period of time. So that must have been a very stressful challenging kind of decision to make to finally decide to leave there. What was that like for you? It certainly was. I, like any person, I was, you know, it was an entry-level position with the risk management department. And, and, you know, there were times where I was looking, well, maybe this is the time to move. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you looked around and saw what other opportunities are there. But then you kind of got yourself back and said, you know, this is still a pretty good place and to work. But I had had a conversation, was, I wasn't looking, but it, I had a conversation with a colleague at the time who was of similar age to myself. And she asked me, so you think there's another opportunity for you out there? Things were changing, not so much at, well, yes, actually things were changing at York. My direct report was retiring and the vice president at the time had just retired. And so I knew that, and I had been very, very fortunate in such that I pretty much had very stable senior leadership above me. Certainly our presidents changed, but my influence and my um, reach into that space was never really a factor. But when my vice president had retired and my CFO was retiring, it was, okay, well, there's there's going to be a change. And what does that mean for me uh, in my role? And so when I was talking to uh, my colleague, she said, do you think there's another opportunity out there for you? Because it might be, your, you know, we're both getting to a certain age where, rightly or wrongly, if you apply for a position, you may not be looked at as favorably as somebody slightly younger and willing to learn the job. And so when, like I say, this opportunity to you presented itself, it was, hmm, okay, well, there's not that many times, I think, personally, that someone's recruiting you and is very interested in you and and is willing to make it fit for you. And so, yes, I put in 20 years, but when I had finally made that decision that it was time to not just change jobs, but literally move across the country, 
it was one where there was a lot of intrepidation because it wasn't just myself moving. Obviously, my wife and was going to have to pick up and, and move as well. And, and she was we were both leaving our family in Ontario. But at the end of the day, we both thought, you know what, this is an opportunity you can't, you know, you can't miss out on. It. My then boss at York, when I did tell her that I was leaving, she was at, more pleased for me than I would ever have expected. She's like, this is a great opportunity for you, Steve. You've got to take it. You know what? This will just make your, you know, re your resume that much um, more full and, and that sort of thing. And she's, you know, she said, you're a risk guy. Why don't you take this risk? Why not? And it's like, true, good point. And so, yeah, 20 years, uh, I look back on it very fondly. But when I had made the decision, I was, I was obviously sad to leave my old place, but happy for the new opportunity. That's great. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in, in the line of work that I'm in, I'm always interested in these kinds of things and what goes through someone's head when they're considering such a move like that. And, you know, yeah, I mean, as you pointed out, you have to move across the country and it involved other people. It's a big step. Definitely a big step. And uh, so now looking back, um, you've, you've been in this role now for a couple of years. How has it turned out for you relative to what you thought you were getting yourself into? I would say that it has certainly where I was, interestingly enough, when I used to be so focused on insurance in my prior university here, I have, I have an insurance program that is sort of through the province of British Columbia. And so a lot of what I was doing before, I don't really even deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. I certainly do with claims and, and that sort of thing. But I would say that I have learned a lot more about just the whole aspect of risk management at a university in coming out to TRU. So no regrets. I would say that I have been given more opportunities here at TRU than I would have ever had at York. And um, what I talked about before about the idea of being the expert, I have certainly found that it has recharged me in terms of wanting to learn more. Health and safety was never something I had to be concerned about. Security was never something I had to be concerned about. But I've been able to sort of deep dive with my subject matter experts, oops, I use the E word, and learn from them and tweak things along the way as well. It's been, it's been good. On the enterprise risk, we're still sort of doing baby steps. And of course, uh, I've had an opportunity to present a couple of times to the board itself and to the board audit committee fairly regularly and getting a good sense as to who they are. Again, not a, something I've been able to do at my prior place. And so when you can sort of walk into the room, the board of governors, get a sense as to how they think, what their appetite for risk is, and where they're really thinking about risk management, that is something that is gold, in my opinion. I think any risk manager, if they have the opportunity to get into that room, as you said, would would jump at it. And so, again, no regrets. That's great. So what is it like presenting to the board and, and what, what are they really concerned with with respect to risk management? Well, I think each board is very different. And I think having sat on boards as well, I've had the great opportunity of certainly sitting on the RIMS board of directors and sitting on a board for my old insurance program that we had at York University, I have gained a lot of insight as to what it means to be a board member and what kind of information I'm looking for as a board member, and then spin it on its head and saying, okay, I am now presenting to a board. And so when it comes to risk management, I think, or any 
board, if you're doing a presentation, you really a, need to know who's in the room. So gaining the, the perspectives and the, frankly, the biases of some of the people in the room from their backgrounds is important. So, you know, if you're speaking to somebody who's an HR professional, you know, when it comes to risk management, you got to make sure you key on to some of the sensitivities and some of the areas that they would glean on. So when you're presenting a, a risk, key risk issue, okay, I understand where he's coming from. And I think the other thing is that when you are presenting to a board, it's very important that you understand the cadence of a board meeting. Um, oftentimes, boards are brought to brought together for a full day and there's a lot of information being asked of them and they're uh, making decisions and something big ticket items. But sometimes when you are presenting, you're presenting for information only. So you're going to have to back it off in terms of the amount of information that you're giving because they're not there to make a decision on your behalf. They're not there to provide direction. They're there for information only. And so how you present your information at a risk management presentation is key. And as a board member, when I flip back into a board member, it's like, okay, what is it that you need from me? What is it the information that I need to know that I can make a decision on or make action or, or ask management to make an action item out of? And so it's really key that you understand when you're going into the room, who's in the room as the presenter, what information they really need to know. And as a board member, allowing for that person to make their, their presentation. And if there's information that you feel hasn't been presented, you either go back to management and say, I think we need to learn a little bit more about this particular risk, or this is very good information. Perhaps next time we can talk a little bit more about this risk or that risk, or let's look at the overall risk register. And so it is a continuing and evolving exercise for me when I get to go in, in the, and meet with the board, but it's always one where I want to know what is it that you feel, you know, I'll talk to my vice president and say, what do you think they need to know this time? Or what is it that we need to address that we didn't address in the last one? Or how do we continue that conversation that we we kind of initially started at my last board presentation? And more, more often than not, you're only meeting them maybe once, twice a year. And so if you have the opportunity of meeting with them quarterly, that's great. But most often it's either once a year or twice a year. And so you really got to nail down your presentation, keep it tight, give them the information. And I think also what's important is that you, you present your information at a strategic level because that's really where the board is supposed to be sitting. They are there to sort of look at the overall strategy of an organization, let's say for the university. What is our mission? Where are we going? And if you hone in on the strategic issues and the risks and opportunities associated with those strategic issues, what I find is that's where they need to be and that's where you're making your wins as a risk manager, as opposed to saying, well, here's my claims update and you know we've had some claims this past year and the insurance is covering it. Well, that's good information, but it isn't moving the risk conversation forward. And that's where I wanna take my enterprise risk and hopefully strategic risk management presentations with our board. And again, I've got great support. I've got a vice president who's aligned with where we're going in terms of the risk management strategy, who wants us to move the board into those conversations. And same with our president. So I'm, again, in a lucky space that uh, some people may not be so. Yeah, no, um, having the support from your senior management in a situation like that is critical. 
And clearly, if you're not on the same page with your senior management with respect to how they want to think about risk and manage risk, then that's a tough position to be in. And uh, But if you're given the opportunity to help guide the conversation that way, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And, and time well spent. No question. So switching gears for a moment, I was just thinking about, you know, you got into risk from a, a very unique background and that has not held you back in any way or shape from, you know, rising to the top of the field. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, what are some of the key skills that you think helped you to become successful in your career? And, and you know, if you're thinking about people who are on their way up in their career, what are some of the things you think they would be well served to be focused on and developing? And again, I've seen a lot of great presentations on leadership and especially leadership and risk management. And I think you need to build your own capacity internally. Let's say you're starting off and you're, you're in a sort of junior position. You want to move to a senior management position and ultimately to leadership. I think you need to be able to build your capacity to learn. And if that means taking courses, in my case, I Again, having not had the experience in risk management before, I took the Canadian risk management designation. I took my uh, Canadian insurance professional designations or certifications. So I, I built the capacity to learn. And then I built what I feel is a huge capacity. I wanted to help. I've always been intrinsically the type of person who wants to help others. And so I think that has helped me do well in risk management, but also understand what risk management is really about. It's about helping others. I've been very fortunate in, I guess, from my days in radio, but able to connect with others. I'm also trying to be more self-aware of my strengths and, and weaknesses. But as I said before, I, I don't want to be the expert. So I guess I'm always challenging myself to be, what do I need to do to get to this? And so I think if there are people out there that are struggling, I think, you know what, just kind of look at your own ability to build capacity. Uh, what it is to connect with others, to be self-aware, to challenge yourself. And then where can I help? I think uh, as a risk professional, if you kind of have that core willingness to help, you'll go far because people will just sense it. And I think authenticity is key. I think the more authentic people are, the more they connect with others. And this is a relationship industry, if you will, insurance, risk management. It's This is a core to who we are. We build relationships. We rely on relationships to help us when we're, we're in trouble or we have a claim or there's something. We build relationships so we can learn from others. And I think having that sense of being able to connect and wanting to build relationships is key. But if you're not authentic and if people just kind of see that you're there for, you know, either it's to for your own self-service people are going to back off. But if people see that you're authentic and that you're genuine and you're willing to, you know, basically expose yourself, uh, you're, you know, not in the weird way, but uh, say, listen, I need to learn. I need to learn from you. I want to help you. How can I help you? Then you'll actually find that people will sort of want to be part of your, your, your circle of contacts. And I think that's just kind of maybe part of my nature as an individual, but um, I think that's that's key. And then I think really the future is forward thinkers. The future is for those who are willing to take risks. I think challenge the status quo as much as you can, but do it respectfully because 
those are the kind of people that I'd like to hire and do hire. Challenge me to be better because, you know, the classic same old thinking gets same old results or the closed mind can't open doors. You've seen all those expressions. And I, it just kind of like grates me when I meet people that are just a closed mind and won't open their minds to other opinions, other sort of ideas. And that, that I always, I've always sort of struggled with people like that. But you know what? Everyone has to learn to work together and deal with all different kinds of people. Not everyone is going to be like Steve Pottle. Everyone, you know, and that's that's obviously it's uh, irrational to think like that. But um, yeah, it's kind of where I I think people need to uh, sort of embrace. So that's great. So, you know, what I noticed was that you didn't talk about developing, you know, technical insurance skills and being an expert in insurance. You were really talking more about relationships and finding ways to help people, which is, you know, that's a whole different perspective because I think the discipline, you know, maybe traditionally was more about insurance and being the expert in insurance and then going from there. And, and I think a lot of people have worked really hard to change the perception that, you know, risk management is really way more than just managing insurance. I, I think your advice is, uh, is right on point with respect to that. You know, the other thing I notice is when I'm working on searches, um, I always have this debate with my clients about what kind of a person would fit best in their organization. And, you know, if it's a university, they'll, they'll first tell me, well, I'd really like someone with university experience. Or real estate, you know, they want someone with real estate experience, manufacturing, whatever it is. And I always, you know, try to challenge them to think a little bit more broadly about, you know, what kind of a person would fit best. And I and I would imagine that you probably subscribe to that as well, given what you were explaining about having people who are challenging the status quo. But you probably would prefer to have people from different backgrounds and different industries, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a case in point is I did struggle to find who I thought would be the right fit for a, a risk specialist position here at, at TRU, which was something new. It didn't exist before. And so, uh, you know, I brought in, a, uh, when you read the resumes, you know, you say, okay, well, maybe not here, but this person, oh, that's interesting. They've had a pretty diverse background. And what it came down to when I actually selected this individual, I mean, this individual actually had a a very varied experience, uh, had been a teacher, had been a carpenter, had worked as a at an insurance brokerage. And so, but when I met him, I mean, it was like, hmm, okay, I know I can work with this individual. He is, is willing to sort of take risks. He's done some great work. And he's also found that if the fit isn't right in terms of his career, he's tried something new and there's nothing wrong with trying something new. And so, when this brand new position called risk specialist came, he said, oh, maybe I could try that as something new. And in some respects, I kind of went back in time to when I was that person who was, had been in radio and then in corporate communications and then Y2K, that someone took a risk with me and said, let's see if you can grow into the position. And sure enough, I did. And I hope the same uh, will apply for, uh, for my uh, risk specialist. That's great. You know, I will tell you that that is a little bit of a unique perspective because and, and this is the tough thing about current job market and, and what one of the trends that I see occurring lately. You know, a lot of companies are using these algorithms to screen resumes 
And so they have the the job requisition and they have the specs that they're trying to, you know, look for and keep to. And, you know, it tends to be very structured around keywords and such. And so there's no room for interpreting a resume to see how someone else, you know, with a different kind of a background can really apply themselves. And, you know, it really requires a person to read a resume and to really think about what they're seeing and what what's in between the lines. So it, it requires a much more personal experience, which is just not the common situation these days. So it's nice to hear that, at least in your situation, that's exactly what you had to do. But imagine you didn't get deluged with, you know, thousands of resumes, though, or I don't know that you would be, you know, talking like that. True. I wasn't deluged with lots of resumes, and I was really sort of starting to wonder if, okay, if I'm ever going to find this person. But your point is, is, is well taken in that, you know, if you've got a position and back in my York days when I was hiring, I got lots of resumes. Being in, in the greater Toronto area, you get a lot of people who are in that industry and are looking for new opportunities. And so to a certain degree, I was kind of relying on my HR team to sort of help me navigate through some of the resumes. But I think it's also important to be prescriptive in how you set a job posting, but not be too prescriptive because you may find that there's actually some pretty strong internal candidates who don't fit into each of those boxes that you've created. And, you know, if HR says, well, you know, you've, we've created this job description and if they have to fit into these boxes, we can't really accept this candidate without some other ways of, of sort of navigating through the, uh, the HR recruitment process. And so I think really what I find is that if you write a job description in such a way that offers people the opportunity to, to assume responsibility for a certain role or a task, be it insurance renewals, that sort of thing, but you also allow for a little bit of, I don't know, I'm looking for someone who has this type of skills. I think that's the skill set so much, not as opposed to sort of I have my my CIP or I have my Canadian risk management designation. Those are certainly important, but I don't think, especially when you evaluate a job description and, and weigh, you know, the points, if you will, you really want to make sure that the person has the ability to be creative because I think creativity the willingness to learn are key strengths when it comes to to um, to risk management, and those are the kind of strengths that are going to do that individual well. Because you don't want to hire somebody who ultimately, if you know, within six months or a year, it's just not worked out because it's it's a terrible situation for both. Yes, that's that's for sure. You know, the cost of making a bad hire is way more expensive than what you realize. You know, when you're bringing the person in in the first place. So no question about that. Thinking about the areas that you highlighted that will make someone successful, you know, wanting to help others and, and wanting to continue to learn, you know, that's a certain mindset that some people have and some people don't. While you can see, you know, maybe some indication on a resume that somebody has that, you really have to talk to the person to really to know that. And I just think, you know, I'm getting off on a tangent a little bit, but, you know, I really think that the current hiring process that, you know, many large organizations use 
where they have these web portals and, and algorithms that are used to screen resumes do not serve anyone well in that regard. The only thing they really accomplish is they, they help you manage a flow of a large volume of resumes. Uh, and maybe they help with compliance, but you know, when when all is said and done, you know, the clients that I work with, you know, they're they're struggling usually from that process, and so I would love to see better way developed, you know, across the board. And obviously, that's what I bring to the table. So of course, I would love to see that because that's <laughs> that's what I do. But that being said. The only other thing I wanted to just touch on real quick is the RIM CRMP. I know you you were you know very closely involved in the development of the CRMP, and maybe you could talk for a moment about that and your perspective on what that brings to an individual. Oh wow! So yes, I guess I was in some respects very fortunate to have been at the at the start of that process with ribs and i i distinctly recall having conversations with some of the guests you've had on the show about who what it is to be a risk manager and and what is it the commonalities of a risk manager so that we could sort of ultimately come to a sort of level set and then put together the uh, the certification so i will be I shamed that I haven't actually had the opportunity to sit for the RIM CRP yet, but that's again something I'm I'm aspiring to do uh, in the very near future. But I think with the RIM CRMP, unlike um, a lot of other certifications to designations, it really gets down to how is it that this individual helps support their organization, and how do we test to make sure that this individual actually is hitting those key aspects of risk management. It's certainly important to know the fundamentals of risk, but if risk managers want to be that key partner in their organization, they want to be helped to drive strategy, they need to know how they can drive strategy. What are the fundamentals of business? And I think unlike a lot of uh, other certifications, the risk management, the RIM CRMP, allows for someone to be tested against those those types of knowledge-based requirements. And, you know, certainly I was involved in it and I embrace it. And I think what the RIM CRMP it does that distinguishes itself from anyone else, it is it takes the risk management concepts, but it applies it in a business uh, organization sort of so that you get a person who not only understands the fundamentals of risk, but understands how organization works and where an organization needs to go and how to be a partner. And so those are very unique aspects of this particular certification that you're not going to see anywhere else. So absolutely, you know, if you're that person who's looking for the next sort of thing to add through the resume, I think the RIM CRMP is the way to go for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that insight. And uh, thank you for all your other insight on uh, enterprise risk and what it takes to be a successful risk manager. And uh, and not to worry if you come from, you know, such an obscure or unique background as being a radio personality, you too can be a risk manager one day. So Steve, thank you very much for your time. It was great to have you on the show. Thanks, Mike. It was fun. Thank you for listening to Should I Stay or Should I Go? Brought to you by Key Strategies LLC, the US insurance and risk management recruitment specialists. If you like the show, please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave reviews. Every time you do, it helps others find the show. And if you have any specific career-related questions, please post them or send an email directly to Mike at mtenenbaum at keystrategies.com. 
he may even answer your question on the show. When you subscribe, you'll also get notifications of when the next episode is available. Hope you join us next time.